Hey, PT listeners, we've been working on something special at Tier 11, something that I can say without exaggeration or without hesitation will produce better ad optimization and increased conversions and have a profound impact on the amount of data you can send back to all your ad platforms. That includes Meta, that includes TikTok, that includes Google, and we call it X-Ray Tag. And it's only available to Tier 11 customers. A lot of businesses think that it's Black Friday, it's the holiday season, and once they actually get through that, then they'll worry about next year. Well, now is the time for you to start gathering all the data that you can to set yourself and your business up for success in 2024. X-ray tag replaces all the potpourri of pixels, cappies, cookies with one single implementation that sends higher quality first-party data back to all your ad platforms. In fact, in our early testing, we've seen a 40 to 100% increase in event matching quality, aka EMQs in Meta, which translates into better ad optimization and increased conversions. So if you feel like your ads are flying blind, head on over to tier11.com forward slash x-ray to get early access. Clients to sign up before the end of the year, move to the front of the line, and we are only offering this for the PT listener like yourself. So head on over to tier11.com forward slash x-ray. Don't miss out. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales to acquire more customers for your business. And today we're dropping a big bomb. It's like the hydrogen bomb from 1945. It's not like the one that's going to end like the world bomb, but it'll take out a few cities. I think it'll take out a few marketers <laughs> along the way who might not be in the know, but there's a big update that came from Apple for iOS 17 that's got us all riled up here today. So we're going to talk about that on today's show with our special guest, the Tom Selleck of Los Angeles, Tom Meredith, VP of Marketing at Tier 11. So welcome to Perpetual Traffic, Tom. <laughs> he just drove up in his Corvette, hopped out of the car, ran into the studio, and here he is, Hawaiian shirt and mustache and good-looking glasses all in one. So let's get into this thing here. Let's like to bypass the nugget Awesome. You're, you're all riled up about this thing. So let's lock and load here on the latest from Apple on this iOS 17 update. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Was your Black Friday Cyber Monday not quite as great as you wanted it to be? Did you feel like you were leaving money on the table? You knew you could have made more sales, but you just didn't know where that money was lying on the table. Well, it's probably because you have some blind spots in your business. We here at Perpetual Traffic want to make 2024 your best year ever. And now is the time to plan for it and set yourself up for 2024. It is not after the first of the year because by the time you actually start doing your planning after January 1st, you've already missed a month. So get that planning done now and do it 
on us. We are giving away 10 free audits, which goes through all of your ad platforms, all the platforms that you're spending money on right now, or maybe the ones that you're maybe not spending money on, but we feel that there is a great opportunity for you to spend and scale and grow. We'll also look at everything after the click for your CRO, your conversion architecture, as we call it. We'll even analyze your email sequences. And most importantly, we'll look at your data how you're actually capturing visitors' information, and how it's tracking all the way to your CRM or whatever your source of truth is. And we do this through a comprehensive audit where we rate each section of your customer acquisition path, give you a rating, and then give some recommendations as to what you should do in order to have 2024 be the best year ever. Now, we're only going to offer this for 10 lucky businesses in the month of December. Okay, that's it. That's the only capacity that we have. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash audit. Fill out the form and let's make 2024 the best year ever. The same way that HTTPS became the default. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't make sense for that not to happen on a long enough timeline. So does this make subverting the ATT prompt more viable now as a strategy? Because there's ways to do it. I was going to say how. Facebook still knows. When everybody goes off the app, they still are tracking. They're just not bringing it back into Ads Manager. I guess from this, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. It's like if you're completely wiping it, then they might not even have that data. Like, How do you think Meta is actually modeling data back in Ads Manager through the ATT project? Dude, I don't think they are. Oh, I think they are. I think they have it all. They're just not showing it, but then they're using that data to model it, to be able to create, especially with, you know, if you do pixel plus CAPI conversions API integration, there's more visibility now than there was right after iOS 14. Oh, no question. It's less of an issue. And I think it's because Facebook has figured out, okay, we can't really use it, but we can kind of sort of model it back in, wait your 72 hours, and then all of a sudden it appears type of thing. Nobody's really talking about it. Like, yeah, but that's the, that's the hedonic treadmill. I recently exposed this concept. The hedonic treadmill says that no matter what happens to you in life, good or bad, over a short period of time, you will default back to your baseline level of happiness. So people aren't talking about Facebook's lack of tracking, not because the tracking has gotten better. They're just gotten used to how much it sucks. Yeah, but if we actually track it versus a third-party source, it's not far off. And through a source of truth, it's not far off. In some cases, it is because you Google guys are grabbing up the last click. I was going to say, I've had the opposite experience. Now, we're probably not anywhere near as good as you are, Ralph, your team at Tier 11 at tracking Facebook specifically. But our experience has been Google massively over-indexes. So if I'm looking at Google, it's you know 700% ROAS. Facebook's at a 1x. And everybody's like, oh, turn Facebook off. But if you play the attribution game, you realize, no, Facebook is the acquisition channel. Google's just stealing all the credit. And if Facebook actually had that data to the point that you're making, I feel like they would try to inject it in a certain way, but so far they haven't been able to because Facebook looks horrible, even when it's performing really well. That is true. That is true. And I think it's because of the short attribution windows that we now see. Seven days. It used to be 28 days. So like I was just talking to a customer this past week about like, how do you guys measure your Facebook? Well, they know if on one day click, we're at 1x or 1.2 ROAS, we're fine. So everybody's sort of adjusted to that. And then they extrapolate out. Then they extrapolate it out. And we don't do their Google, which is a huge mistake because we should do their Google. 
because everything is basically under one big continuum at this point in time. But unless you have a partner where you actually do communicate, you can say, all right, well, if I lowered my Facebook ad spend, like, <laughs> where's your brand name search there, bud? On the Google side, all of a sudden that disappears. So it's like, unless you actually do take a look from a 30,000 foot view, and I hate the marketing efficiency ratio crap that everybody throws around, but it's true. You have to look at your source of truth. In your CRM, are you making sales or are you not making sales? Well, what's scary about it is people don't zoom out long enough. They turn off the top of funnel campaigns. They turn off the acquisition campaigns. And then in 30 days, everything's fine. And they think, oh, everything's fine. That campaign was doing nothing. Well, what happened 60, 90, 120, six months out? Because I mean, it's long timelines for those acquisition campaigns. Some of them take a really long time. Go ahead, Tom. Tom's in this conversation too, you know. I know, right? I, it's all good. I'll just pick my moments here. So, Ralph, you were just at Meta, and how was the conversation up there around tracking and how they're dealing with it? I mean, this is a couple of years in at this point, and they have to have been working on it. I mean, it can't just be like, oh, we're just slapping with Advantage Plus and hope you guys don't notice what's going on. <laughs> that was kind of it. You know, it was surprising how, I mean, I talked to a lot of people. It was a lot of agencies, a lot of other businesses, and nobody was bitching about it. So maybe it is the hedonistic law. Is that what, what the, that was called? Hedonic yeah. treadmill. Hedonistic law is good too, though. I feel like that's a, that's a whole different problem. That's what Ralph is very like, everything's a law. Law inverse profitability, hedonistic law. <laughs> I like that. The treadmill though. No, but I mean, that's human nature. Humans just sort of adapt to it. Like, all right, this is my new reality. Now, what am I going to do? Am I going to keep bitching about what was happening in the past or am I just going to deal with what's going on right now? And from what we found, and this was very, very clear in their messaging, among other things, which we did talk about this in a previous episode, is that you do pixel plus conversions API tracking. And because there's not a deduping situation, which is basically it's not overlapping with each other, you're getting signals back to Facebook, but it stops at seven days. So you have to use your brain and figure out, okay, well, if I'm merging this with my Snapchat, TikTok, my Google, my Google search, my Google branded search, my non-branded search, my performance max campaigns, how am I doing overall? And then measuring and managing your Facebook campaigns through this duality of tracking, nobody was really complaining about it. I was shocked. It was almost like in the presentations, it was more table stakes than anything else. Like you guys have to have Cappy in place. Great. And everybody's raising their hand. Yes, we have it in place. A lot of agencies were talking about like, oh, remember that plan that you guys had where you could hire a dev people and Meta would pay for it and you do the Cappy integration, which never really went anywhere. Well, we ended up doing it ourselves. We ended up hiring our own dev teams. And the, the people that didn't, those agencies and those businesses aren't around anymore. Yeah. That's funny. They're Nobody gone. complains about COVID anymore. It's because all the people that were going to die are dead. <laughs> they're, not, they're not here to complain. <laughs> so uh, just answering Tom's very intelligent question here, that maybe, <laughs> maybe all those people, well, like this performance marketing summit was only a thousand people. Last year, it was probably about 3,000 people. So maybe. Only the strong survive. Only the strong survive. Next year, it's just going to be like Mad Max. It's going to be like total dystopian. Every man for himself. Hopefully, it's me and 12 other guys dressed in Mad Max uniforms. And that's it. That's marketing performance summit. But yeah, it wasn't an issue. So is iOS 17 going to be now the new issue? What was funny is that the CMO of Meta was up there on stage. And he's sort of like this cool English guy. 
he must have a really, really smart staff. He seemed ultra confident, which... I mean, portrayed, portrayed a lot of confidence as a meta advertiser. Like, he's not worried about stuff. He was like, well, you know, once we got through the iOS 14, you know, my hair used to be dark brown and now it's gray. So there was references to it, but it's almost like meta's just kind of moved past that. Does this iOS 17 update change all that? That's really the question. Or does everybody go to ways in which they edge around or figure out legal or illegal ways to get around Apple's privacy policies? There's that too. You're talking to a former affiliate that used to run the scammiest of scammy offers using proxy servers and ways in which to get around individual meta headquarters and not show our ads there. So there's always a way. Somebody out there is... There's going to be a. It's Neil Patel. Neil will find Neil a way. Neil Patel will figure out a way. We'll figure out a way. So yeah. So nobody was really talking about it. But this is a news bomb here that I'm surprised there's not more either uproar from it because it's now it's sort of a secondary story to iOS 14. Maybe everybody's just got desensitized because of their cute little commercials that they're doing about your health data now, which are very good. I know you don't watch TV, Cossum. You live in a cave somewhere in I know in it Arizona. exists. I know it like exists. I'm familiar yeah. with it conceptually. This thing called connected TV. You don't even have to have TV. You just have to have Wi-Fi. And they show it on a big screen as opposed to on your phone. So anyway. All right. We've alluded to this iOS 17 a couple of times and actually talked about what's inside of it. iOS 17. Here's an article from 9to5.com uh, written by Benjo. Uh, June 8th. So we're a little late to the party here, actually, with our announcement. But iOS 17 automatically removes tracking parameters from ClickOn. Now, this is terrifying when you hear it at first blush, but then you read in further and it gets... uh, Link tracking protection is a new feature automatically activated. That's a keynote there. Automatically activated in mail, messages, and Safari in private browsing. So... If identifiable, track, identifiable tracking parameters in link URLs, it automatically removes them. So think all UTM parameters, Facebook click ID, Google click ID, anything that you're using to track prospects, anything you're using to capture first party data. Remember all those songs we were singing about how important first party data is? They're going to pull from the URL. And at the moment, they're only doing it in Safari when in private browsing. My conspiracy theory which I actually think is very well-founded, by the way, is that private browsing mode is going Most to... Most crazy people think that way. <laughs> <laughs> just, just because I think they're after me doesn't mean they're not. How does it go? You can't definitively know if they're not after you. You can't if they're not after you. Yeah, I think... Catch 20. Uh, anyway, I think that, that privacy bra- private browsing mode becomes the default in Safari on, on a long enough timeline. The same way it became... The, um, and, and if that... If then you end up with very little in the way of track. going to give us um, a replacement that they call private click measurement. Apple is enabling an alternative way for advertisers to measure campaign success with private click measurement and ad attribution now available in Safari private browsing mode. Private click measurement allows advertisers to track ad campaign conversion metrics, but does not reveal individual user activity, which means I don't know what. I can't see what I want to see. That's what it means. It's like, hey, someone did something. Someone did something you might like. Not going to tell you who it is. Best of luck to you, sucker. <laughs> like, you know, what do you what do you well, do with that? Gun, so it sounds like right now, it's just in the Apple, the Apple apps. It's 
just in Apple, but Apple comprises the majority of your highest end users. Apple users are clickier, they buy more, they buy first, they're more influential. They have, what, 30% market share globally, but I mean, it's all of the 1%. It's damaging in that way. But how many of them are using Safari versus Chrome on their That's phone? a good question. I have no idea how many Apple users use Safari, because I'm, I'm an Apple user, reluctantly, who uses Chrome instead 100%. of Safari to the point that you're yeah. making, Tom. Yeah. It's actually a really, really good question. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually do this to deep linking in the future, where if I'm in my Gmail app, click a link and it goes over to Chrome, if they remove it there too. Well, they'd have the ability to do that because you're still on the Apple hardware. So they could usurp any internal process on any app in their ecosystem. So it's absolutely possible. And I wouldn't put it past them. And honestly, y'all, this is freaking brilliant. It's brilliant. It's statecraft. Like we're watching the Cold War play out with publicly traded companies and Apple's winning. We'd like to get to why it's statecraft and why Cosm thinks this is so brilliant and exactly what Apple's agenda is after this quick break. Hey, do you want to work with the best client-focused agency in the world? I mean, one that helps purpose-driven businesses achieve their vision? Well, it's time you check out Tier 11 as a career choice. Right now, we are hiring for a lot of different positions, but the most important one right now is our client success owner. The CSO is one of the most important positions at Tier 11 because they're the linchpin between our clients and our team who ensures smooth communication and excellence in service delivery. When I built this company 10 plus years ago, I always wanted to have a virtual organization that has strong company culture and a client-centered focus that really took things to the next level, but also enabled purpose-driven businesses to achieve their vision through what we do every single day through customer acquisition amplification. So if this sounds like you and you have the skills required to be an awesome client success owner, head on over to tier 11 forward slash jobs, tier11.com forward slash jobs, fill out the CSO application. We'd love to talk to you about how you can take your career and our client success to the next level. All right, so we are back. We're talking about how much we all love Apple. Here and how much we love Tim Cook. I think Tim Cook is just, he's a great human. He really is. I mean, he's out there trying to help all of us. My life was terrible when people knew what I liked and what my health data was. And I, I don't know. I mean, I just think that it's really important for people to know that I don't like Metallica. And I like t-shirts that have ACDC logos on them. It's like, it's really important for me to hide that from the public. And that's what Tim Cook's doing. He's doing that. And he's also saving people from knowing that I'm married to Jennifer Sorrenti and where I live. I, ugh, my life's so much better, Kasim, because of he's Tim Cook. He's a man of the people. He's a man of the people. How are you going to know what to buy your wife for her birthday if nobody tells you? If I don't see the right ad at the right time, I'd rather be seeing trucker ads that are completely irrelevant to me that have nothing to do with my wife's birthday. But I have Tim Cook to thank for that. And that's why I think Tim Cook is a genius. Can you just counter that argument for it's, me? It's uncounterable, Ralph. There's nowhere you can go. Except in worship of Lord Tim. All right, so we love Tim Cook. <laughs> this is what happens when Tom comes on. Like the agenda just goes right out the window. But we love Tim Cook, yes. All right, so we we're talking about statecraft. Statecraft. And how... So, 
Apple's playing this is a fact. Statecraft this is a verifiable right fact. Google it, which is my favorite of all the lack of sites. Just Google it. You know what that is? It's like in the 90s, you know what we would say instead of Google it? It was, ask my mom. Yeah, you don't believe me? Ask my mom. So now it's Google it. And Apple has been hiring up ad platform engineers from both Meta and Google for we know not what reason. No, no yes. you, you're kidding Ostensibly, me. It's- wait, wait, wait a second, cousin. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So there's a capitalistic intent to all this privacy stuff? You're, Ralph, this is I crazy how talk. shocking this sounds to you. Oh, God. You know, now I'm not liking Tim quite as much as I did 13 seconds ago. I'm going to step in for a moment and say that Tim Cook learned a lesson from Mark Zuckerberg where he used all that ad money for their face headset, face set, and is doing the same thing to support Vision Pro by get, gobbling up the ad money. Did Oculus go anywhere? Is it still a thing? Yeah. They've sold over 10 million units. They have a new one coming out at the end of the year. I think they took a $10 billion loss on their metaverse related. They spent $10 billion to sell 10 million like units. last year. If that wasn't on their P&L, Facebook and Meta would have been even more profitable than they already are. They're pretty profitable right now. You know what's funny though is I bet you their ROAS in-app still looked good. Ooh! <laughs> it did. Especially if you have it on your face like that, it probably looks real looks big. really big. So, like your ROAS is in virtual reality like 3D. You I can like walk through your ROAS. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Does low ROAS get better if it looks bigger? That's the I think question. It, I think it does. The more you emphatically talk about it and say it very loudly, 1.2 ROAS, you don't need a three ROAS. No. So yeah, so Tim Cook is trying to make all of this a walled garden. Is that what we're saying here with the intent of garden. an ad platform in the future? that or dude can you imagine an apple ad platform though so up until this point and i'd love for you to challenge me on this because maybe there's some that i'm not thinking of but up until this point all ads digital and analog actually but all digital ads have been nothing but a picture in a frame you own the frame you rent me the frame i deliver my picture that's the ad experience Apple would have maybe not the first, but definitely the most potent ability to deliver integrated ad experiences. So instead of just a picture in the frame, because they have the hardware and the operating system and the app, their ability to deliver paid media in a way that's not that disassociated would be absolutely insane. It'd be more contextually appropriate. Apple would be able to track attribution like no other network in existence. Apple users only use Apple. You've got the Apple Watch, the Apple phone, the the iPad, MacBook Pro, the desktop. And so no matter what device you're on, I can see what you're doing. You're logged into the Apple ID. I can see what you search for. I can see the very first time you're exposed to information. I'm listening to everything that you say. Apple would know your path to purchase from start to finish. So you have the most integrated ad platform, the best attribution uh, across every level of analysis, and the most affluent users, the wealthiest, clickiest people. If Apple rolled out its own ad network, y'all, I'm a Google agency. I, tomorrow, would become the Apple. You'd see me sell out so fast. I'd be like a boy band with a contract in front of me. It would just, I couldn't sign it fast enough. I would jump straight over to Apple because there just would be no reckoning with it. To, Ralph, the point that you've made, which is the walled garden. Nobody else has created a contained ecosystem. Apple has its own internet, ostensibly. Nobody else has that. 
everybody else is kind of playing in this layered stacked ecosystem where I don't own all the layers. Apple start to finish can self-sustain. In the digital apocalypse, Apple could self-sustain without any other intervention or intermediaries. It's a modern miracle. You really have to marvel at what they've done. You're not thinking fourth dimensionally. <laughs> Back to the future reference there. Uh, so if we're talking about Apple leading the way on breaking these links, Google has to follow, which means Apple's an even stronger position because what's Google going to say? Oh, we're going to continue to track you? Oh, I think they are. You think they're going down that road? Yeah. This will be fun to see how this ages, Tom. Because you're right, Apple has set what you could consider to be a moral precedent. So the question is, is, does Google follow suit? I think they ignore it entirely. I think Google keeps UTM parameters and GCLID and all those things intact until it serves them to do otherwise. But they did this with third-party cookies. People have been trying to shoot third-party cookies out of the sky forever, and Google just keeps kicking the can down the road. They're like, yeah, when we're ready. So I think that the benefit Google has is most people don't even really understand this. That's also how you know that it's not for privacy concerns. If Apple was worried about people's privacy, they wouldn't be diving deep on technical mechanisms that most people have no ability to wrap their mind around. It's like presidential elections. I've got a friend who's worked on every major presidential election for like the last 20 years. And what he taught me was so depressing. He goes, look at everybody who wins. It doesn't matter who you like, who you don't like, right? Look at Romney. Romney had a great, great, great platform. But you know what Romney did? He came out and he said, here's my four-hour economic plan. Obama came out and said, change, hope. Most people, myself included, did not understand Romney's four-hour economic plan. But dude, I could wrap my mind around some hope. So Apple, if they really cared about privacy, would be top of funnel, let's say, in the privacy initiative. They'd be pulling the hope and change game. They're not. They're diving deep and just using privacy as the smokescreen for statecraft. I always thought it was Mitt Romney's comment about the 47% that hadn't <laughs> lose that election. What did he say about the 47%? I don't remember that. I remember him saying corporations are people. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah, he was caught with an open mic at a private dinner with very rich donors. And he said that almost half the voters in the country are victims. And they expect the government to pay for free health care, food and housing and clothing. And I'll never win that 47% no matter what. And it, all it just did is just alienate the 47%. But I think... That was my theory, at least at that point in time. It's the last time I've talked politics with my brother, by the way. It's the reason why I remember it. <laughs> that was 2012, was that? I'd have to look up when that was. But yeah, so, but the point was simple works, simple message works. Simple. Make America great again is a very easy tagline. Dude, brilliant. It's brilliant a brilliant messaging. tagline. Say what you will about Trump. Yeah. And before you came on the show, we used to talk about him all the time. But anyway, we keep that aside. But the point is, is simple works. And I think if privacy is the thing, the question is, is privacy the thing that people care about the most right now? Are they just like trying to latch onto a hook? that people are kind of tired of. I think it's kind of played itself out. Maybe that's why this release, what from our perspective is a big deal. This wasn't the leading story on the nightly news. Not that nobody iOS cares. 14 was. Like nobody seems to really care about no, it. Dude, it's, it's the same US government sell security. Everything the government does is, oh, we're going to go keep you safe. You know, the Iraq, they're, they're headed over. You're going to get us. Well, no. Also, Saddam wanted to sell the, the oil something other than the US dollar. And we needed to protect the petrodollar. So security was the only way to sell that. Everything we do internationally is sold on, on security. So everything that Apple's going to do is sold on privacy. They just be able to make moves that 
massively disrupt their competitors, but they need a PR shield in order to do those things. I think it's played itself out a bit. I think it's just the well, news. That's the thing is it doesn't matter. So is the security piece. Right. Nobody really buys the security narrative, but we still let them go do it. We're like, all right, go kill some people because it keeps me in my Hummer. But it being played out is the most dangerous part of this because if it's played out, people don't care. And Apple is saying, by default, these things are going to happen. You have to opt out. Well, if you don't already care, you're not going to opt out. So then by default, you're going to be private. They fatigued us into submission. I always say yes, I accept tracking, by the way. I forget which app it was just the other day. I was like, absolutely. See, I was horrible. I started opting out because it depends on the app. Like, I, I'll download games, for, which is horrible to say, but like, if we're getting on a flight, if we're going to go somewhere, I'm just going to hand the phone to my son. We'll pick out some games. And then it's like, do you want this game to track? And I'm like, no, I don't made this. You know, I don't know where they are with my data. So all of a sudden, I become part of like the Borg, the hive mind. It's like, oh my goodness, I, I need privacy. I know. Look at you. Like you've converted as well. I have. So if we really look at the numbers here, obviously Apple users are skewed more towards Safari. So just as a general rule, I mean, it's 51% versus Google Chrome is 42%. So it is going to affect things, but Safari overall is what 10%, less than 10% of the global market for browsers for desktop. So there is an absolute impact here. The question is, is will privacy browsing become default browsing? So that's really the question here. And I don't know as if we necessarily have the answer for that. Is there a way around it, even with conversions API integration on the Facebook side? Or what's your guys' sense, at least at this point? Will we lose even more visibility, even though visibility really isn't that much of an issue, just coming from a conference of a thousand marketers? I think we are holding on to this idea of control and all these ad networks are trying to say, stop trying to control and expect that you have this visibility. We talked a lot about conversions API and does Facebook get enough data? I'm not even sure if Facebook knows they're getting enough data. If they're using neural networks to know the input and the output and the neural network somehow is able to figure that out, I'm not sure it matters how much we can actually see. Well, I guess to be continued, it'll be an interesting... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> be an interesting topic of conversation here. Or maybe there's an AI solution. Bring it back to the AI topic, which we always love to talk about here on the show. Maybe there's an AI solution we haven't really figured out here. Oh, there's certainly ways around the ATT prompt. You and I know a lot of smart people in this space, Tom, you as well, that are in the tracking space. There is a way to do it and to end around everything that Apple is trying to do from a privacy perspective. Will this wiping of everything after the question mark for tracking parameters on shared URLs be something that really affects us in the future? I think only time will tell. But this is big news, just the fact that they're continuing to go down this road. I think they're going down this road for two reasons. They still think it's a way in which to sell Apple. It's a differentiator if you look at their marketing strategy, but secondarily, I'll be the first one to sign up for the Apple platform when it actually does come online. Right now, it's basically it's an ad platform for apps, but you know they're just collecting all the data. And how do they make that transition from, hey, we're privacy to, hey, now we're an ad network. Here's the, you know. Well, they'll say we're the first privacy first ad network. We don't share any of your data with any of the advertisers. Apple's never once asked me to opt out of an Apple app. So when you go run ads in the Apple network, you as the advertiser still aren't going to get it, but Apple will have it, which continues the walled garden, which is brilliant because they're like, hey, I know who buys from you and I'll continue selling you those people, but I'm not going to tell you who they are. 
It's like you sit here and take your money and be grateful for it. And then that's how they squeeze into your margins. They'll call it something not an ad network. They'll call it something different. They don't call their VR, XR goggles. They call it spatial computing. What are they going to call their ad network? Sort of like personal... Integrating messaging. Yeah. 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 Commercial messaging. That's such a good point, Tom. Apple's really good. If you name it, you own it. And they're really good at naming it and owning it. They haven't invented anything. They didn't invent the smartphone. They didn't invent the tablet. They just simplified them. And Appleized them. Apple Vision Pro. And the funny thing is, in that news conference, they never once mentioned AI. Isn't that interesting? They call it transformer. So I was thinking about it. The question you just asked, can AI solve attribution? Here's what I think it would take. Solving attribution moving forward, I think would be very difficult even for the strongest AI because it would need to model based off of data it doesn't have. It's like you can't prove a negative. What you'd have to do is you'd have to feed the AI historic data. So, hey, AI, back when we could track, here's what happened. With that historic data, the AI could move forward and assuming that it can split what has been taken away versus what we still have, and I believe that it could, it could begin modeling based off of what we still have. So, okay, using what I still have is the benchmark, then I could prognosticate out on what we don't have, which means that anybody with historic data and historic accounts would be at a massive benefit with AI-driven attribution. But I think AI-driven attribution, cold, I don't know how it would do better than us because it's not a computing problem. It's a visibility problem, right? Or maybe I'm just being very short-sighted. Yeah, I think the middle is the part that we're losing. The ad networks will know which ads are generating clicks. And if you are setting up you're getting the information back as far as purchases and offline conversions back into those ad networks, they'll know the beginning and the endpoint. Yeah, but the endpoint has an atrophy, that seven-day atrophy, or even Google's 90-day atrophy, those can be really deadly depending on your industry. I think the AI will evolve to a point we'll fill in that messy middle. I gotta believe, whether it's historical data, model data, I'm of the belief right now that Meta still is tracking everybody, even the people that opt out of the ATT prompt. Maybe that's my own. Oh, how could they not be? What are they going to do? Just be like, oh, okay, oh, you sorry, win. Sorry, Apple. Of course they are. How did their modeling data, and all of a sudden we started magically getting more visibility inside Ads Manager? Was it as great as it used to be? Well, if it was great as it used to be, then Apple could say, wait a second, you're not compliant with that ATT prompt, so we're going to pull your app off the Apple store or the app store, imagine that. So they have to maintain a little bit of blindness. I'm getting to be more like Kasim, I think, as the show goes on here. More conspiracy theory-esque. But the point is, like, it's there anyway. I just think that messy middle is going to be, the computers are too smart, these businesses are too big. Certainly Google, I don't think, will ever do this. It's like they'll wait till the very, very last minute and try and mask it as much as possible. But still, you'll be able to get the data out in the back end. It's like what actually happens in the middle? We're working on a solution. How can you not be somebody at Meta and think to yourself, oh, they can just wipe clean all my URL parameters tomorrow on Safari? Well, of course. Don't you think Meta has already thought of that? I mean, come on. These are they're billions they're of dollars at stake. Aware at iOS 14, I've never seen an organization respond so slowly and so poorly to something so catastrophically damaging. But I'm saying because of that. They've learned their lesson, you're saying. They've okay. learned their lesson. Yeah. Now, I, I think actually think this impacts Google more than it impacts Meta. I think this hurts Google more than it hurts Meta. The reason being? Why? <laughs> <laughs> 
She'll leave it at that and move on. All right. Well, um, thanks for listening and uh, make sure you leave a yeah, rating that is for the show. already moved towards post-mortem. So that's what Cappy is. It's like, oh, somebody did something, pump it back in. Google's yeah. enhanced conversions and or offline conversion tracking are a supplement mm. that work really well, but most advertisers don't use. So yeah, Facebook has more or less solved for this, kind of to your point, Ralph. It's like, all right, I don't have tracking in the middle, but if they convert, I know who they are and I know that they're the ones right. that clicked off. Google, while- Because it's first party now. Yeah, the technical mechanism exists. Not as many advertisers are using it. It's not as integrated. This is the part I might be wrong on. This is anecdotal, I'm guessing, but I feel like there's way more funnel to Google than there is to Meta because Meta's interrupter advertising and Google's not. And because of that, all of those links and all of that first party data ends up being more relevant to Google than it ends up being to Meta. Regardless of whether or not that second assertion is true, and I might even want to back down on it, the first one is absolutely true. And I think that it's going to impact Google advertisers who aren't using offline conversion tracking. I think there's a lot of disruption that's coming in the next six to 12 months. That's what I think. Dude, Between oh, this. for agencies. Sucks if you're a CMO. If you're a CMO, like there's way too many things to navigate through. Dude, strap here. on your boots, grab your helmet. This is trench warfare you're in, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. I mean... Not to pitch the agency model, but you need a crack staff to figure all this stuff out. And even the smartest people in the room, let's throw an Austin Harrison from North Beam. He still doesn't have all the answers. He's a pretty smart you know, guy. Austin's not the smartest guy in the room. Austin's me. No. Austin's got a John Moran behind the scenes. He's just the mouth. Yeah. Well, all right. What I actually meant is the NASA engineers and the PhDs from MIT that he's got behind the scenes, they don't have the answer either. He's the Casa Muslim. So I think the agency model that's going to win here is the ones that are strong creatively and the strong in data. The media buying part is going to be minimized based off the all the automation. I'm so you hear to take offense to all of that, Tom. That was oh, my whole business do. model. Defense <laughs> is what makes good radio or podcast. Yeah. Meta needs all the good data coming from your tracking and your offline conversions and all that coming back in. But the other thing you hear from them so much is more creative, more creative, because they need the beginning points and the end points. And the middle is just going to be a neural network black box that nobody's going to know how it works, but they will be able to see and analyze all that creative and see what's working for what type of product and what the end point. I agree. That's why we're doubling down on front end and back end stuff and the data layer in the middle. Sorry, there's the business model right there. If you're an agency and you haven't at least looked at that, you're screwed. I emailed Ralph the other day and I was like, can we talk to whoever runs your creative team? Because we need to build one. You can build an okay creative team. Like you need a world-class creative team in order to survive in the next two years. You have to have that. And you also have to have intrafunnel analytics and that entire data layer going all the way through it to get as much as you possibly can from a data perspective to power your ads and the optimization but also to know exactly what's going on after the click because you then control that. That's the one thing that you actually do control now is how people behave intra-funnel. So it's like there's a huge lever right there. I know we're not really answering the question of what do you do with iOS 17, but the point is it's like you have to know all these different things, and there's a lot. There's a lot of confused people out there right now. Dude, I'm one of them. Yeah, I don't think any one of us here on this show like knows the answer, but the point is is like at least we see it coming. I think there's a lot of people that don't see it coming. So, hopefully you're listening to the show and you're 
wising up right now and understanding that maybe you need to add all these things. Maybe not today, but by the end of the year. Yeah. We didn't even touch on, I think we're fatiguing the topic now, but is worthy of at least mentioning is the fact that these tracking parameters are being removed from emails. If you're heavy into email, first of all, we know iOS 15 killed open and click-through rate. Now your ability to see the predictive indication of how well your email is performing is gone. But to kill the tracking, like... Ooh, I'm not heavy into email marketing. We should get an email marketer on here and ask him, like, how are you going to contend with this? I think that would be a great subject for another show. Oh, dude, I've got an idea. Here's a wicked smart. You segment your email list by Apple users. Instantly, you're able to carve out whose tracking is inhibited and whose isn't. And then you use the non-iOS list to model your I think you can do that through HubSpot. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tom. Can you really? I'm not a HubSpot super user. Like 70% of your users are in one list and 30% yeah. in the You yeah, just split your list. Yeah. And then you only pay attention to the non-iOS list. Yeah. That's how you optimize. A plug for HubSpot there. All right. Well, we will continue this conversation. So I'll say one more thing that no matter how horrible you feel about the future of your job, Cosm has taught us that you'll eventually get back to as happy as you used to be. That's right. The hedonic treadmill. You're going to be fine. I thought it was the the law of hedonism. <laughs> hedonism, yeah. That's what you want it to be, Ralph. That's something else yeah. entirely. It's for a different so podcast. I, on my trip, I didn't even go to Vegas. So what the hell? So anyway, all right. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to Perpetual Traffic here. Make sure you subscribe and leave a rating wherever you're listening. It helps us get out to other confused marketers just like you who don't know what to do about the future, but we'll sort it out here on the show. Let us know what we can do better always over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Follow me over on LinkedIn. That's Ralph Burns and Kasim at Kasim Aslam on Twitter. You're also doing the Instagrams these days, which is cool. So check that out. Go back and listen to previous episodes and you gotta check out our YouTube channel. Right, Tom? I mean, oh my God. It's the best, hottest thing on the planet. Grown quickly. <laughs> we will leave links in the show notes to that as per usual. And if you can't find us, just look for me and Cosm's smiling face on the Perpetual Traffic logo. And that is the place to be. For a visual representation of today's show, definitely head over there. All resources and show notes are at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Cosm Aslam, and our VP of Marketing Tier 11, Tom Meredith, until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, 